Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Bloomberg Intelligence Tech Disruptors podcast. My name is Anurag Rana, and I'm a technology analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, Bloomberg's in-house research arm. We're delighted to have the CEO and founder of Uncork, Gary Hoberman, as our guest today. We're hoping Gary will give us some insights around some very unique work his company is doing. So Gary, to start off with, could you please give us a little bit of your background and also how you ended up founding this company? Thank you, Anurag, for having me on, by the way. It's just a, such a pleasure to be here. So, you know, when I think back about founding on Quark, this has been a vision I've had since I entered Wall Street in 1984. So I'm definitely dating myself here, but graduating business school in New York after going through New York City public schools, an advantage I did have was my father's publishing business in New York allowed me to play on punch card machines and DeckMate and Fortran, winning awards for programming. Back in the day, most people didn't have access to these computers. But what I had saw on Arag was this magic that technology can do, the art of the possible, this idea that I could communicate with a machine and it listens and it understands what I want it to do and it does it. And you could actually transform industries and people's lives through technology. And to me, that was magical. Started right on Wall Street, private bank, bankers trust, building trading systems and then foreign exchange. Went from there to Smith Barney, Salma Smith Barney City. So 16 years on Fortune 50 companies where 400,000 employees was what it went up to while I was there. And left that in 2012 to be the global CIO of another Fortune 50 company, MetLife. And it entered the world of insurance, the exciting fast-paced world, and that's sarcastic, of course. But the what I did learn very quickly was the same challenges that persisted for the first 20 years of my career in Wall Street persisted in insurance. And I managed 10,000 employees across 47 countries with spending about $1.2 a year in technology. And what I had seen on Iraq was the same patterns. And what I mean by that is that magic of technology that I fell in love with, the possibility of what it can do, 80% of my budget was spent in just keeping the lights on, responding to technical debt, responding to legacy, a word you've used many times in your podcast, which is that history that's there that should be run over more than anything else. And basically responding to that. And the biggest thing and the reason why I left the corporate world to create Uncork in 2017 was because the new things, the things we should be most excited about, those transformation, the digital transformation projects that we're so proud of. One of those I got into Fortune magazine for back in 2013, still nothing like it today. And those things that are so exciting, the second they go live, there's a report of technical debt and they immediately move over to that legacy side. And now 80% of your budget becomes 81% and 82%. And I didn't see any future coming which would make that better. So I left the corporate world. I like to say, jumped out of that C-suite and left the corporate world 2017 to fix it. Fair point. So let's first of all, talk a little bit about what does the company do? What is the genesis of this particular startup? So when you think about software and applications, I know a lot of us read a lot about cloud computing and advances in infrastructure and data and analytics and all these aspects of infrastructure security, which what you're reading about is scale of technology. And what I mean by that is the days when I would walk into, I used to build trading systems next to the trader. The janitor kicked the plug out on the rug and the system went down. Like that was how, and it was exciting by the way, because you could really create things. 
But the reality was that I watched as those servers for security reasons moved into data rooms and data closets and the data rooms and closets consolidate to data centers and they continue to consolidate and really what you're achieving is scale. But when you think about that and you walk into a data center and you see maybe 10 years ago, a hundred different variety of machines, they don't look like one. They look like individual snowflakes mounted on a rack. And when you think about that, each of those machines has the potential to break without parts in stock, different operating systems, different patching. Each one of those machines is a one-off custom machine that you pray will keep your application fly. And so when you look at what has happened since this journey, abstraction has basically said, hey, software, you're going to abstract away the complexity in the hardware. Software defined networks and network storage, virtualization, serverless computers, serverless architecture leads to cloud computing. And the reality is all this is saying is don't worry about what's underneath. We'll give you a layer on top to hide the complexity. So that data center actually looks like a single machine as opposed to individual machines. And when I watched that happen on around this evolution of serverless and the climb to serverless, the reality is today, the applications, the 24 million engineers writing code on top of that infrastructure and the pipes and the plumbing are still doing it the same way they did it back from 30 years ago, using a technology, using a language that was made up. Each individual engineer, skilled engineer, 24 million of them, and there is no shortage. I'll be the first to tell you they're doing the wrong things, but there's no shortage. Specifically, those engineers are communicating with the machines with a language, and each of them is replicating what the person next to them is replicating for the same business line, for the different business industries. And the reality is the application level to me looked like those old data centers where you walked in and every single server was unique. Every single instance was unique. So we created on Quark to basically fix that, to create a new way to create software. And the thing we had to eliminate completely was code. It had to be done in a way which was unique and different. So I'm, my goal, Anurag, is to convince you that Uncork is the biggest disruption in technology ever done, before, bigger than anything done before. And the reason why is because it's the future DNA of how we create technology. Fair point. So let's go back and uh, let's think about writing an application 10, 15 years ago in an on-premise world. What tools am I using and what is the final outcome? And then let's talk about today where you have a homogeneous computing network, perhaps by Azure or AWS or somebody else. So how do you sit on top of it and write code that's completely different? So let's take a use case. Let's take a use case of something we do really well, which is onboarding. So onboarding, which is you could be opening an account in the bank. You could be a consumer in a bank branch. You could be wealth management, private. You could be an institution opening a treasury account. You could be walking into a hospital and registering where we are today. All of that is onboarding. Even life insurance and auto insurance and home insurance. That entire lifecycle onboarding, if I go back 10 years and say, okay, let's try to fix the onboarding solution. I was at City. And onboarding specifically, maybe in the institutional side to bring on a customer. At that point in time, you'd have to do all the know your customer rules, the KYC rules, all the ideas of saying, is this a terrorist organization or not? Are they on the OFAC terrorist list? These checks, 
But the reality is I would actually have to build a website to capture data. So if I think through it, I would say, first off, what is that data model? Okay, I've got a data model of a customer, name, address, basic information. That customer is an institution, therefore they have board members and directors and they have employees and they have products and they have revenue. And I've modeled that data in a way which is standard and that's something which we do. But then once that data is modeled, it's instantiated in a database. Maybe it was an Oracle, maybe it's a SQL server database, maybe MySQL. It's instantiated in a relational database, which is fixed. It says, I've got this understanding of a customer, now it's fixed. Now I've got to build an experience on top of it. So is it a mobile experience, a desktop experience? Is it tablet? Each one of those is hard coded with my brand, my bank, my images, my fonts, my look and feel, pixel perfect consumer. And then I've got to bind it together. I've got a field, which is address. When you type it in, it should go and look it up. So let's create a lookup service, make it easy, pre-fill it, and let's store the data in a database. But then once it's stored in a database, I need a workflow tool. Wait, I got to bring in a separate BPM tool. I've got a model list in BPM and a workflow. And once I have that model in a workflow, it shows me which consumer is handing it from the consumer at the legal to compliance and all these groups. But the reality is I got to get it back into my systems. So I need an integration tool. So let's bring in an Apogee and a MuSoft or an integration tier. Oh, but I got to send text out. So I need Twilio. And I could, I don't know, I built so many enterprise grade systems. And when you think through all those components, it's not the complexity of, oh, I need a hosting server and staging and UAT and pre-prod and production, all these things. It's the second it goes live, you're my business owner. You're going to change it. The second you see it in production, you're going to be like, oh God, regulations change. It's the regulations in the US change and Russia changed and I've got to go in and tweak my rules and change the rules. And it's not what I want it to look like. And the brand's changing. We're going to rebrand the company. So I've lived through this where a rebranding exercise costs $200 million just to change the look and feel across systems because of code, because everything's hard coded. Now in our Uncork world, we would start with a very different view. We would say, let's start with the customer view. Let's start with what they see. Let's start with the fields. And in Uncork, you simply use a visual IDE to drag and drop tools. So I've got a field for address. I've got a field for name. Oh, wait, you know what? Actually, I've got a field to do KYC checks and OPEC checks. And let me go ahead and bind that there. And what you're creating in essence is this, what we call a codeless definition. And included in that is the presentation, the workflow, the rules. The integrations, we built our own integration tool to replace Musoft and Apogee. We built our own workflow tools to replace every BPM tool. We, and included in that is the monitoring, the logging, the SDLC, all the ITSM needed. You don't need any other tools. You don't need any more version control. So GitLab's gone. You don't need that. It's all built into this concept of creating software. And the reality is I can build an onboarding in five minutes with you on the fly. And the second you'll see it, you'll say, that's not what you want. Let's change it. Let's, and we would have no risk to change it. There's no risk in changing a deployment from that point of view. So fair point. So if I go back and look at how to write traditional software, you were absolutely right. It was very clunky. But again, I have seen companies, again, market this. Again, I'm not so sure whether they do it properly or not, but talk to SAP and say, we can cut down the onboarding time or 
installation time of a software by a lot by having these widgets or modules that can do that job for you. You can have another software company, again, Shopify could say that, listen, we have a base operating system and I can have applications that are created by a third-party software developer that can actually help you with shipping and payments and other things. So how is the, how's your platform different than that? From more of a technical point of view, how should I differentiate that? Yeah, and that's an amazing analogy. Anurag, what we've created is what we call a new category of software. We call it Codeless as a Service. And the heart of Codeless as a Service is Codeless definition. So first off, as a CIO, I was influencing $9 billion a spend. I was spending over a billion a year in my own budget. I've tried every single accelerator to create software for my business partners faster, better, and cheaper. And I can't tell you a single one that actually works. So when it comes time to value achieved in technology, you can't measure on time and on budget. It's actually did it achieve the business case set out to. And that's very unique and different. You probably read about and report on large cap companies talking about improvement of license and that retention and all the facts that we know. The reality is ask the customers, are they satisfied with the value achieved? And the answer is no. Across the board. And as a, I've done the largest contracts for the CRM players or for the ITSM players or the ERP players you mentioned. I've done them all. So the reality is in those worlds, they're accelerators to generate code faster. And this is the biggest difference I want to make sure we get across. Imagine walking into a data stream and there's a hundred servers, all unique and different. How do you secure them? They're not secure. How do you patch them? How do you repair them when they break? The reality is you can't. All the illities of resiliency and reliability and extensibility are gone. The software packages you mentioned, they basically manufacture one-off servers faster. They instantiate something which needs to be supported as its own unique instance with no scale at the illities level. It's not more secure. It's not more reliable. It's not more efficient. It might generate the code faster. But code generators, if you ever ask a technologist, would they ever use a code generator? The answer is no, that's not. So specifically on our, the example I gave you before, we created an onboarding system for a bank and we could drag and drop and do it together. You could be my client. I could do it with you right now. When you created an Encore, what's different about us is our concept of codeless extends serverless. So we see ourselves as on top of the clouds above the clouds. It's not fun being in a cloud, but you're in a plane, you're taking off, you're in the cloud, you can't see anything. So we see ourselves on top of the cloud. And specifically what that means is serverless technology stopped at the architecture, the pipes and the plumbing, codeless that we've invented goes to the application tier. And it's where the application tier where security needs to be there, reliability, resiliency, composability, usability, extensibility, adaptability, all the illities to be at the application, it doesn't matter at the infrastructure. Fair. And specific, specifically on the road, when we created software on Quark, what we created is a single readable text file that you could open up and you could read, not even being technical. And that example I gave you, the text file would say, I've got an address field and the address field is going to do a lookup in Google to make it easy. I've got a text field for EIN number for an industry, for a bank. I've got a sick code to look up for an industry code. And when you're reading this, it contains a hundred percent 
of the customer's IP, 100%, not 70%. So many technology companies, the low-code tools that you would read about, they proudly say they get you 70% there. That 30% that they don't do is code. They all gave up. Every single technology company from Microsoft Excel, a macro is them giving up and saying, use it for other purposes, code VBA. You could look at every single ITSM tool, gave up 70% there, even things like reflexive nature and ITSM tools of code. And the difference was every time in the past life as a CIO, I coded something inside someone else's tool, including SAP or ERP including Workday, including every one of the tools you can view out there. The second you injected code, you created a one-off instance that never benefited anyone but yourself. And in our world on our own, that single file, JSON file, is the equivalent of DNA. What I mean by that is it contains the instructions for your software, 100%, nothing outside of it. Our role at Encore is to give you an engine that renders that experience, that engine, regardless of the technology changes that occur in the future. Meaning technical debt is our responsibility, not yours. So that 80% burden of keeping the lights on a legacy basically means it becomes our team's responsibility to rectify it. So Angular is going into life, we're rectifying it. If the MongoDB, which is an amazing database we use behind the scenes, that's going end of life a piece and we transform it. You won't even know it occurred. Your software is guaranteed to work if there's a new holographic phone coming out on iPhone. That will work on it without you actually doing a single thing. So that's the biggest difference is every single technology vendor that you can name out there, the biggest to the smallest, they all let you inject code to lock you in. That's the biggest difference between us and them. Fair point. So tell me one thing, from a user's point of view, if I am the client, does it help me save computing resources? What is it that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm assuming that you can get it faster. So that's one particular aspect. So what are some of the other advantages of this, this model? It was amazing. We had a user conference last week where 30 of our customers spoke. On stage, we had companies like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs and State Street. We had BlackRock. We had Chubb and many more customers. And it's amazing when you sit down and listen to their use cases and what they've achieved. I heard one example where they said in the first application in Encore to two months to get live, it would have taken them two years with any other technology, including low code tools. So they compared two years to the two months in Encore. What was more interesting was the second use case was two weeks. And when you think about those use cases, these are mission critical. What we heard from our customers was they are using us in core mission critical processing. So we're running at trading system level uptime, regardless of if it's healthcare, public sector, or investment in FSNI. And the reason is because we don't generate code. There should never be a single line of code generated. And since we don't let you inject code, you're guaranteed to be running on the same version of Encore today. You started as a new client instead of 20 year old technology where everyone else starts you at. And it means you're benefiting from every customer and testing us and security testing us and every customer doing functional tests and performance tests. 
And you're basically benefiting from everyone else around you without even knowing they exist. And that's the unique aspect of what Uncork and Codeless brings to the table. So what are the differences between a low-code model and a no-code model? Like how, if I was a developer, how, you know, what, what would be the difference for me? So to me, it's really interesting because there's 24 million engineers coding software. And when you use Uncork, the other thing that it does, besides just fast, as you had said, the faster is there, you can see them in results. Engineers care about quality. Every, typically today for every 50 lines of code written, there's one defect. That's statistically, if you just look across the board. So 24 million engineers, 10,000 lines of code a year, how many defects they create, you could do the math. Like it's basically, it's enormous. With Uncork, because you're actually using the base from everyone before you, we're showing statistically 600 times less defects in software, 600 times less defects that you're building software. That's the most reliable software in the world is Linux. We're eight times less defects than the Linux operating system, which is open source. And what that means is from an engineer's point of view, they could focus on creating those unique algorithms outside of Uncork and plugging them into Uncork. That really is where they should be focusing on instead of just moving a button around the screen. And with that said, the difference between low code and us is low code basically said, I'm going to build a simple CRM tool. I'm going to build a simple ITSM tool for back office IT. I'm going to build a simple ERP tool, an HR tool. I could, the names I'm giving there, they all stopped and said, it works for that. Great. Now, if you want to build something else, here's a coding language you could use to write it. And every one of them has done this. And what I call that's the point that scale was given up. That means that the, the best example on our is there's an ITSM tool. If you want to simply say a reflexive question on the screen. So, you know, or, you know, have you ever been bankrupt before? If you say yes, then you have to answer the series of questions. In Uncork, you write that with a drag and drop rule and it executes on a phone or a tablet. It even executes headless as an API, no change. And it's guaranteed to execute on any future devices that come out. In that technology, that's created using code and it's using a custom language. And the problem with that is picture 70% of this, the functionality of your software is in a black box that you can't access. 70% is locked in the SAPs or the oracles and it's there. 30% is your custom code you're putting into it. That code is dependent on that container. How do you receive upgrades? How do you receive the next version? How is it when the customer next to you does something amazing in the platform, how do you get that benefit? How do you get that scale? So in Uncork, it's like, a D, it's funny. The only thing I could think non-technical terms is we're born with DNA. The DNA is our code in our body. It's the same now as it was when I was born. DNA hasn't changed, but me as a human, I've adapted. I've evolved to use phones and use tablets and smartphones and go through this. And I've learned new things. And I've learned to use Zoom throughout the pandemic. We all have. The reality is, imagine if your DNA had to be recoded every time you needed to learn something new. That's the world of software as we know it today. That's the world of software in which we've been living for 30 years. The software vendors love it because they get renewal licenses. There's migration projects 
you could pick on a CRM tool and you could ask a customer, how much are you spending to migrate to the new version of that software with no additional benefit? And you will hear it seven figure, eight figure numbers. And that's where we're disrupting it. We are taking over that world and changing the way software is created. Again, I, a few years ago, I was doing some work on AWS and came across Lambda there's functions, which to me in principle sounded like a very interesting idea that you could write a piece of code and get that work done. And it's not that it doesn't take up that much of the resources. How's your product different than those functions? So that's a great, great point. So we love Lambda. Like you could plug in a Lambda function into Uncork and drag it in. And now you could bind it to a field on a screen. So picture you created code that was totally unique on around. There was an algorithm that was, you wanted to protect it. It's your AI, your machine learning behind the scenes. You could code that in Lambda and drag it into Uncore. But the reality is what we see is multi-cloud is the future. So we sit above the clouds. We are a cloud agnostic. So we're currently hosting on Amazon and Azure GCP marketplace. We have our first customer purchase it off there as well. And we're in Amazon marketplace. Our relationships with Amazon and Google are amazing from that point of view. And just the way forward, I think you could view us on a rug as, i give you an example. So there's clients that use Encore for building brand new. So Greenfield, brand new product. In financial services, we had a press release last week that SEC currency crypto company built their whole platform built based on Encore. And that's the launch. It was a great press release that they launched. In public sector, when COVID hit, New York City had a problem and they were a customer of ours. And they came to us and said, we have senior citizens at home that can't receive food and supplies because shelters close. How quick could we use Uncork to create a food delivery system whereby the consumer could request supplies and food? It goes, it gets routed to a distribution hub. National Guard mans the hub, gets a request from Uncork, loads a box of the supplies, a taxi or a limousine comes up, Uber comes up, they load it in there and the Uber has three routes from Uncork of where to deliver and check off food. So that's describing GrubHub. If you think about an entire new, it was a new functionality that had to be stood up. It was created in Uncork in five days with not one line of code. It's a hundred percent tech debt free because there's no tech debt, there's no legacy. We are the books and records. We've been storing the data and that software helped deliver 2 million meals to senior citizens, 2 million meals. So that's itself as a company. And that was just one little app created in Uncork of thousands of instances out there. When I think about that value achieved, that's where it is. Now that's a net new app. Most customers are in this middle box, I would say on a rug, where they're seeing Uncork as the bridge on top of the legacy. My legacy sitting behind my firewall, it's mainframe, it's Oracle, it's all these old technologies and ancient technologies. I need to build a digital interface for my consumers to interact with me. And I need to do that in a way which is not creating more technical debt, not creating more. So they're using Uncork to extend their capabilities into the cloud. Now, both examples I gave you, once you're in Uncork, you've migrated to the cloud. That's Instead of a separate thought process of let's migrate to the cloud and boards are tracking migration to the cloud, we became the tool to migrate to the cloud. That's the tool out there. The third use case we're seeing is fascinating. It's, there are many regulated industries who are trying to remove Microsoft Excel as a tool in their company. 
It shouldn't be used in core business product. It shouldn't be used as core part of critical processing. There's one bank that since and thousands of these are being converted as we speak to Encore. So literally in that case, if it could be done in Excel, the user creating an Encore could be the business. And what's different about it is the business working on core could be governed by IT working side by side. And then the fourth case, which is probably what's most fascinating to me is migration of legacy. There was an example where New York city needed to extend their COBOL system for marriage licenses to digital. And we actually worked with them to show them it could be faster. It only took three days in Encore to create it from scratch, to migrate their COBOL mainframe system into Encore 100% instead of extending that out. So we view this world where our DNA file, this codeless definition file that describes your application can be created from existing legacy technologies without any intervention. So we view our Uncork OS, our Uncork operating system, more powerful than the mainframe, more powerful than Linux from the mainframe, because it's the app level as opposed to the infrastructure. Yeah. So perhaps let's talk about two use cases. And I'm just thinking loudly that let's say that if I am a developer and I want to create an application on AWS, so give me a reason why I would use your tools versus the AWS native tools, which at least to my mind, I would say is would integrate better to all the other functionalities that AWS has to offer. Yes. And by the way, all that technology that AWS has to offer SageMaker is drag and drop and unclock. They're already partnered. So everything that they do at a platform as a service level is there. In addition to things like AutoML from Google, in addition to things like Microsoft's learning engine. So to us, if you're, if you're going to pick one technology, you're going to be locked in and you're going to code. You're going to hard code that. The reality is the second you wrote code in AWS or Azure or GCP, the second you wrote code, you've exposed for every 50 lines of code you wrote, there's one defect. How are you doing cyber testing? How many times a year are you going to have ethical hacks done where vulnerability assessments will be executed to see? How are you doing disaster recovery, records retention? How are you doing version control? When you deploy a change and something breaks, which it will happen, how do you do rollback? How do you know who changed what? How do you do monitoring and logging? How do you do all the aspects of application dependency analysis to know if something changes in an API downstream from you, your impact, how would you know that? To us, everything I've described is built into Uncork out of the box. You don't think about it again. If you want to roll back at one click. If you want to see who changed what, it's visually shown who changed what. And you could literally branch and merge them together to make a new bird and see it. If you want to, if you want to test, so Anurag, in regulated markets, Iron Mountain, this concept of paper being stored or a business is predominantly how you show a regulator something that happened. It's scary. If a regulator comes in and says, Anurag, why did you do this? Why did you onboard this Russian oligarch? You're going to say, I've got to go the papers to find it and logs to find it and records. In Uncork, because there's no code, when you make a change to your application, we version 100% of that application. So literally you could picture every change made historically to your software is recorded and understood because it's not code, 
it's not some ancient Greek language to understand. What it means is that in addition, every time the customer changed data on their side, it's recorded and then mapped. So like a time capsule, I could open it on Quark, an application with data created three years ago and show you what it looked like. Then. I could show you what integrations did and what came back. That lineage and data lineage is why all the banks use us. It's why we crush every competition. And so that's a very unique aspect of software. So what you're describing with Amazon, everything I just described on, you could code it. Like you could code it from scratch. It'll be buggy. It'll be risky. And the second it's live, it'll be legacy. The second it's live, you're going to be responding to technical debt issues. There's going to be Angular's going end of life, React's going end of life, Vue's going end of life, all this technology. Oh, Twilio's changing their API. DocuSign's changing their API. Every one of those things becomes your headache. And suddenly your IT budget is 80% of the spend is keeping lights on. And 20% is doing new things that are just creating more legacy. That's why I created Uncore. That was the biggest difference. Yeah. And in the second case, use case that I'm thinking is that I'm a legacy company. It could be a bank or anything. And I have a banking application or other retail application. If I need to modernize it, do I need to write it from scratch or do you help in modernizing that app using your framework? Because in my view, holding on to that application is no use in the long run. Why not record it? So how are customers embracing that? I love that. So typically they might start off with first, let's put Uncork as an abstraction layer. So we have an amazing pixel perfect experience and whatever you built in that experience automatically gets exposed as a third party API to integrate to any other systems. So we become this bubble around your existing tech stack. And you could basically say, okay, it's a banking system. It's going to do a loan, but it's a loan in the U.S. versus a loan in U.K. It's going to be two different systems, probably behind the scenes. Uncork could create that single view and talk to both systems seamlessly today. Orchestration built in and the presentation of that and integration to the core systems. Once you have that, you can now start to download systems and migrate the functionality to Uncork without the customer even knowing it. Hurry. So get the benefits of digital adoption today while you shut down your legacy. Now, the way it would work, we have, we have partners. We have amazing partners who sponsored our event last week who spoke on stage like EY and Infosys and KPMG and others, Quantify. And we have many more, Deloitte and others that are all certified. There's 15,000 consultants certified in using Uncork for their customers. 15,000 creators that are out there creating software for their customers today, which is amazing. There was a deal announced recently by the federal government. So we are weeks away from announcing full FedRAMP certification to handle an HHS use case, health use case, to basically replace the payroll system and enhance the way payroll is done. You would typically think of an HR solution for that. And that's what was looked at. They awarded a $32 million contract for services to a third party to build it in Encore. They chose Encore. It's amazing use case. When you think about that, there's a partner network to do it. But I'm going in point, Anurag, is you're my customer. You learn how to use Uncork. The features of Uncork are such that a business analyst could create really robust software sitting next to a technologist on the same platforms for the first time. So together, instead of the business appearing in agile 10 minutes a day, which is ridiculous and thinking things will change, the business and the technology could each divvy up the work in Uncork and work side by side. IT does integrations, business does experience. 
IT does the orchestration, business does the rule definition. And for the first time, we are working side by side to create software. And the software we create could be changed instantly once it's built without risk. And that to me is this future where it all comes together for the first time. And you could imagine features with deploying regularly or guardrails. It's as you build starting next year, when you start to build it on core, it's going to real time, look at your application and give you feedback. If you're good at that, could you do something better Can you do something? And so with that's an amazing software future. Again, across industries, we're running with the largest healthcare companies, the largest public sector, federal, states, cities, largest FSNI companies. We have a first oil gas customer. And what's really cool is those partners are now building software in Uncork and selling it to their customers. So we've seen the first ESG software brought to market through Uncork. We've seen rent relief, mortgage relief during COVID was a product which 15 cities and states used to deploy it. We loved Chicago mayor calling us out on TV on ABC as they used Uncork to disperse billions of funds. And to me, that's where the value comes back. That value word I'm going to keep hitting on. It doesn't matter what statistics and SaaS metrics others have. You got to ask the customer if you're getting the value from that song. So typically, how does it work? A customer starts with you. How do they scale up? And how do you look at your own internal metrics to see that we're doing well with this particular customer? Yeah, I love it. So typically, typically a customer is not saying, hey, I need a new platform to create something. That's not something, and I, by the way, that whole low code, no code category should never exist. It should not, it should disappear. It's a bunch of code generators that are out there. That's engineering tools. But typically when we meet with the customer, we try to understand their problem. What a concept. Let's say it's on you're my customer. I, first thing I would do if we were meeting was to say, where has technology not delivered to the value you expect for your customers and your shareholders, your companies? And Typically we would hear things like, okay, look, this entire process here is still an email. It's still this entire operation. The more clients we have, the more people we add in operations is typically what we hear. And, or it's, we need to provide a digital interface and we need to engage the customer where they are in the platform where they are. So typically it starts with a use case and says, here's the things that no technology has done yet. Here's the things where technology has failed me in the past and vendors have failed. And so we, at that point in the meeting, in even the first meeting, even if it's me that's doing the meeting, I would basically say, let's try to build it right now on the fly and realize what I would be building with you, drag and drop in front of you is something which is at the security and scale that Goldman Sachs expects for all of their systems. It's gone through the review. And by the way, if they do a pen test tomorrow, it benefited you. And if CBS Healthcare does it the next day, it benefited you. Because everyone's pen testing the same software, even though you're secured in your own instance with your own encryption key. But the reality is we would start creating software in the first meeting. And I would, again, no code, just drag and drop. Is this what you're thinking? Is this what you are? Typically that leads to a workshop and the workshops maybe four hours. And in that workshop within four hours, you'll have a pretty good idea. Is this production ready? And are you, is this a system you need? And within six, within six to eight weeks, sometimes two to three months, depending on complexity, you'll have something live in production. You'll come back to us even before it's turned on 
you'll come back to us and say, there's another problem. What could you do here? And you're training your team. So your team is now learning on Quark and your team is now able to build software. Your team is able to say, I want to build my own ITSM tool. I want to build my own HR tool. I want to build my own ratings tool and performance tool and compensation tool. And suddenly you see all these use cases start to flourish. Now from outside on what's unique, we see patterns. So I gave onboarding as an example before, because onboarding, we've seen the pattern of onboarding from scanning your passport and driver's license to the KYC rules. And what we created is an accelerator, which you could just install in our marketplace. So Uncork is Turing complete. And this is another question. So questions we would ask any other company that considers themselves low code, no code is, do you generate code? If you do, you're not codeless. Yeah, that's, Fair that's legacy. Yep. No, that's, I get that. But do you, then do you get paid after that particular project or, or is it subscription? Because if I'm, once I'm done with that, then why do I have to pay you after that? How does that work? It's a great question. So we are a full service. So codeless as a service means it's a full software as a service solution. We are the ones providing you not just the hosting and storage of your data and security of that data, but we're also providing you the support and uptime where we're running at 99.95% plus uptime across uh -huh. all customers. Uh -huh. And what that basically means is you've migrated to the cloud, that use case, you've built a cloud native, future-proof, no tech debt. And that's just one use case. And typically you are the one building that on Uncork. So we are a platform that you license through a subscription model where we get annual recurring revenue for you for your usage. And that use case equals usage and your next use case will equal more usage. So to us, our success is the more you use on Quark, the more recurring revenue we get. And at some point, Anurag, you will come to me like every customer and say, we built 25 use cases. We need an enterprise license across the world. So we have one of the largest banks just chose us with a full enterprise license across the bank, trading thousands of people with targeting millions of saves. I got it. And that's the platform play. Now that's where the that's, platform basically takes over. Now it makes more sense. So perhaps my, my final two questions would be, the first one would be looking at just the, the, the product itself about cloud. Now, do I get tied up to if I'm building it on AWS or that, that tool that I built or the app that I built, can I move it, port it over to GCP or Azure without pain? Or how much pain would it cost me? Yeah, it's, it's one click for us. And basically customers are requesting, they even have those keys and decisions on their side. So to us, we don't build anything cloud specific. Now with that said, we and on Quark are a set software as a service. So we could say your platform is best in AWS or your platform is best in GCP. And here's why. And we've also learned the limits of each cloud provider. From a scale point of view, we had one instance where one US state was deploying on Cork to all citizens in the state. And they said, we can't, the governor won't turn it on until you could show us 100,000 concurrent users. And remember, we don't generate code, it's interpreted. So when we started to run these performance tests, it's the equivalent of every man, woman, and child in the state coming into Uncork on one out within the same app. That's the equivalent they were looking for. And we needed to move them off to another cloud provider. We had to show them that the cloud provider that was picked originally was the wrong one for their use case. And once we moved them to another cloud provider, 
worked perfectly and it launched without issue. So to us, you should never know the pipes and the plumbing is the most, it shouldn't be interesting to you. You shouldn't no. care where we host you. And that's where that is. And it's a service, but you should never be tied to a cloud provider. Yeah. That's not what you want to be. In my book, that is probably the biggest takeaway for me or the biggest value proposition that I learned. And then finally, should I think of you as the modern version of a red hat with all those tools decided and provides far more innovation than legacy software, or you would not be wanted to be branded that way? It's interesting. So I team Red Hat's an interesting example. So at City, when we first started to look at Linux and Red Hat, it wasn't secure enough for City. So my team itself built the TLS security layer that's running in Red Hat. Today, we donated it back to Red Hat. So everyone's using a security layer that my team built. It wasn't secure. And same thing with Windows. We couldn't use Microsoft's Windows login. So my team recreated the Windows login on every computer. So to me, the software itself has always been limited by what it can achieve. Now, what's interesting with Red Hat, as an example you gave, is there's a community of contributors helping it grow and build. And that's a great analogy to us. Anurag, that analogy is imagine you needed a feature when we build it in on Quark for you, everyone gets it. And when you test, everyone benefits. And when you, that analogy is equivalent to the open source community, the difference between us and Red Hat is their legacy. The second you instantiated an instance, you frozen time. That version is no longer going to live like DNA getting upgrades and evolving. And that version is going to be stuck in time and it's going to be branded legacy. And guess what? There's going to be a log4j security vulnerability issue like everyone had last year. And that log4j vulnerability issue, you're going to have to scan your code to see if you're using it because it's code. And that's the same issue that occurred if you look at any low code player and you go say, hey, there was a vulnerability. How did you respond? Every one of them said, we've rectified it on our side, but you might not be running the right version. Uh -huh. You have to migrate. And we've rectified it outside, but because we only got you 70% there and 30% was your custom code, Anurag, you might've coded using that library. So we don't use that library, but you might be using that library. Every single company from the biggest to the smallest told their customers, we actually don't know if you use it or not. We can't scan your code. We don't know. There's one company looking at AI to understand code, which makes no sense. So to us, we were able to go back to all the customers and say in one shot, you're not impacted. And if we had been impacted, we would have fixed it and you would have automatically got the patch without even going down. No uh, downtime. Yeah. Wouldn't even know it occurred. Now it's, it's fairly, this has been such an interesting session. We have covered a lot of things and I, I feel we can go on forever, but this is, this is very interesting and we want to thank you for your time and we look forward to having you again, at least let's say 12 months from now to see how your company is doing. I would love to come back and I don't know, this is such a fun conversation and really appreciate this. It's been great. Thank you again. Thank you.